Acts chapter number 13. I want to look at a passage of Scripture that is probably very familiar to most. It's an area that we go to to look at the work of missions in the local church. In verse number 1 of this chapter, now there was in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers. There's Barnabas and Simeon, which uh, that was called Niger, and Lucius and of Cyrene, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. This passage of Scripture is where Paul begins his missionary journey. For the rest of Acts, and then we'll find as we study through Ephesians and different epistles that Paul had written to the churches, we will find uh, Paul on his missionary journey. We find here in Acts chapter 13 where the church at Antioch, this is a place where they were first called Christians. There were many saved there at Pentecost in Jerusalem, and, and uh, uh, the church grew and grew and grew. And then many believed this, that uh, the Lord allowed persecution to come to scatter the, those that believed back across the, the known world there and so that they would take the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God did not want just for it to stay in Jerusalem and those in Jerusalem to be saved. He desired for all the world to be saved. Just like the song that for uh, uh, Brother Rant sang the song that he quoted a scripture passage, for God so loved the world, God desired for every single human being to come to know His, his saving grace. That's His desire. It's not just a, a those who are in Jerusalem. It's not just a, an American church thing. God desires for every single person. Every nationality. Matter of fact, we find that, that when, uh, uh, we are all together in heaven there, there's gonna be some from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nationality. Every single nationality is gonna be represented there in heaven. Every tribe is gonna be represented in heaven. God does not just look at the American church and bless the American church and, and, uh, uh, seek to, the American church to present the gospel. God loves all the world. He doesn't love us any more than He loves anyone else. He desires for all to be saved. Here in the book of Acts, in chapter number 13, Paul and others now are commissioned or sent out. Their goal was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it around the world. That was the goal. It was so the whole world would hear about Jesus Christ. And so we find in Acts chapter 13, we find the, the work of missions. The church in Antioch was a great missions church. They had a, a great passion to get the gospel out. It was from this church that Paul launched his very first missionary journey, and then we read throughout the book of Acts the other missionary journeys that he was on. But this is the, this is the place where we can go to where we can find that it is the work of the local church to send out missionaries to go around this world to preach the gospel. It's the church's responsibility. Every church ought to be sending missionaries to preach the gospel. Every church. A living church reproduces themselves. It's very, very telling for a church has to be very careful. At times, the church, people don't want anyone to leave. People want everything to stay the same. But the reality is this, a growing church is a sending church. That's why things like Brother Bravo mentioned this morning, discipleship, it's so very important. 
Our goal as individuals, as Christians, our goal as a church ought to be constantly we're reproducing ourselves. We're witnessing. We're seeing people saved. We're then discipling them so they can become a, a, a disciple of Christ and use their lives for the gospel's sake. And then to go out and do exactly what happened to them, to share the gospel. Aren't you excited when someone newly gets saved, how excited they are to want to share the gospel with somebody else? They say this. This is a statistic that is probably very true, but it's sad. Churches that are older than 10 years old, they normally grow, 80% of their growth is by membership for other churches. They get satisfied. Churches that are younger than 10 years old, 80% of their growth is by new converts. Why is that? Why is that? And you look around and pretty much that statistic is true. You look at churches I had here last year. This time last year, I invited a, a, a man in Josh Tice. He uh, pastors a church. He started a church several years ago in Las Vegas, the south side of Las Vegas. They're just 10 or 12 years old, I think now, and, and uh, uh, just built a brand new building. And, and they were at four services. They were jam-packed. They were in a, a warehouse. They converted this warehouse into a church. And, and they just kind of kept buying uh, the warehouse next to them until they just got to a place they couldn't, they couldn't go anymore. So they began to build a church. And, and last week, he had 1,025 in his church. The majority of those... Join the church through the baptismal waters. They weren't coming from other churches. They were saved. Because somebody in that church shared the gospel with them. Somebody in that church invited them to church. They got saved. They got baptized. And, and that today, as a growing church, I just read of a, uh, of a, a, a magazine uh, with, with just page after page after page of, of churches that are just now starting. You know, there is a, an exciting thing happening here in America. There are a lot of people that are excited about rebuilding and, and starting churches. There's a lot. I just just uh, got a, a note from uh, a fellow down in the Cincinnati area. He was on staff at a, a church, and and uh, he was the outreach director. And he he feels after ten years, the Lord's calling him to start a church in in uh, the Cincinnati area, area uh, Norwood and Hyde Park, a growing area where there's no gospel preaching church in the area he wants to start. And he's excited to go there and see people saved. I think we as a church, we need to get excited once again about people being saved. Lives being changed. Sometimes we just get into a, a rut. Sometimes we get into just a, a, a mold. And, and I was excited this morning as I left. And, and uh, this may seem something so small to you, but I, it's something I enjoy walking out and seeing the track racks empty. I like that. I like that because that means somebody is taking tracks and, and the only thing you're going to do with that many tracks is give them out. You're not going to read them yourself. You're going to give them out. I had someone call the church office and, and uh, said to me, uh, we, uh, it was around Halloween time, and they said, you know, we got, we got a, a, a Halloween track in our kids' uh, our Halloween candy bag. And, so he, and he was upset. And I said, well, that's wonderful, isn't it? I thought he was calling to congratulate us for giving the gospel out. And he was upset because somebody in our church put a track in his kid's bag. And he wanted me to find out 
And I said, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, sir, but, but I, you'll have to blame me because we bought tracks and we asked the church to give them out. Matter of fact, we put tracks in bags and gave them out that way. We're going to use every avenue we can. I had another lady call. She was upset. She said someone put a, a invitation, a track, or they, they don't call them tracks, they call them brochures, in her on a flag of her mailbox. Again, I thought she was calling to say, thank you for sharing the gospel. I, that's the way I took it. But she was upset because somebody drove on her property and, and, and put one on her, on her uh, 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 sign in her mailbox. And, and I said, great, you're welcome. And she said, that's not what I'm calling about. Somebody put that on my mailbox. And Could you please tell your church not to do that? I didn't want to tell her that every week we encourage our church to do that. A couple weeks ago, I went home and on my mailbox, there was an invitation to Monclovero Baptist Church. So I called the pastor and I said, thank you for sharing the, an invitation to the Monclovero Baptist Church. I'll be there Sunday. I left myself a message and it was encouraging. I encouraged myself with that message. You know, here at Acts chapter 13, there was an excitement about sharing the gospel. That's what motivated this church. That's what caused this church to be excited to know that somebody needs the gospel and they have what somebody needs. They left their comfort zones. They left their homes. They left the church that was a thriving, growing church so they could reproduce themselves in other areas. And so here we find the Holy Spirit came to the leadership of the church with this instruction. And the instruction was this, to separate certain men to the work of missions. The Holy Spirit of God said, I want these men to leave and go share the Gospel in another part of the world. That's the work of missions. Sending missionaries around this world, the Bravos going around the world and going to Chile, taking their family to, to Chile and, and, and starting churches there, that's not an idea they came up with. That's not an idea that, that man came up with. Do you realize this? The work of missions, it was started here in Acts chapter 13 when the Holy Spirit of God said, I want you to separate these men for the work of the ministry. This is God's heart. This is God's desire. This is God's will for the church to be involved in missions and involved in spreading the gospel around the world. That was the Holy Spirit prompting the church to do this. The local church here in Acts chapter 13 commissioned these men to take the gospel. They were to take the gospel to places that had never heard the gospel before. Do you know there are still parts of this world that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? That ought to make us as a church weep. There are places in this world that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. There are people in this world that have never, never read a verse of the Bible. There are places in this world where, where, where young boys and young girls are being raised up and being taught false religion. There are places in this world where, where families are, are raising their children to believe in a God that, that has no eyes and has no hands and has no feet. It's a false God. It's just a small little statue. We showed a video back in September of, of India where they'll serve and they'll worship any God. Just tell them what that God is and they'll pray to that God just so they don't miss any of them. 
And they have great desire and they're very sincere in praying to these gods and in, in living this religious life. But the problem is this, it's false. Paul spoke and he spoke at a, a place where there was an altar to the unknown God and, and there they were worshiping all these gods and, and uh, uh, giving, giving sacrifices to all gods. And just in case, just in case there was one that they missed, they had an altar to the unknown God and Paul with boldness stood there and began to preach about that unknown God. He began to preach that it's Jesus Christ, that God loved mankind so much that He sent His only begotten Son that Jesus Christ came and He died upon the cross. He shed His blood. He became sin so that mankind can be born again. He took the wrath of God upon Him and He, and he died and He was buried and He rose again that day so that you and I can be redeemed. That is the job of the church. And the church is you and me. It's not just the job of the pastor. It's not just the job of the staff. It's not just the job of the deacons. It's the job of every individual. God said, uh, uh, Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. That is our desire. That ought to be our goal. That ought to be our mission to tell the world who Jesus Christ is. And so in Acts chapter number 13, the Holy Spirit of God said to the church to call out these men. To send them out. And the Holy Ghost said, you see in verse number 2, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. We read about the work of missions here in this text. And I don't have the time this evening to read this entire chapter, but this entire chapter, boy, I hope that you'll go home and you'll read this and you'll study this and you'll get excited about what God desires for the church to do. But we find, first of all, here in Acts chapter 13, if we were to take verse number 4 down to verse number 15, we would find this. We'd find the manner of the work. The manner in which the work was to be accomplished. The work cannot be done unless we go. Now think about that. It's going. It's sending. Jesus said this, go ye into all the world. He didn't say wait for the world to come to you. I think sometimes church, we get things mixed up. We want guests to come to church. And if guests come to church, then, then I'll give the gospel and people will get saved. That, that's not, that's not here how, 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 uh, uh, the Holy Spirit of God was sending Paul and Barnabas. He said for them to go. I think it's an action word. The manner of missions is actually going and sending. We, we, we go into the highways and, and hedges. We go into the, the, the cities. We go into the suburbs. We go to where the people are. We go and we tell them about Jesus Christ. We can't wait as Christians for them to come to us. We've got to go to them. So often, if we're not careful, church, we, we think the man of the work is for them to come. We think this, if we just build it and open the doors, people are going to come. 
We need to have this attitude of actually going. Jesus said go in the text, uh, uh, all the phrases here. And I don't, again, I don't have the time to go through and develop all these, but if you'll just mark these things down, you would find this. They went down and from thence they sailed to and when they arrived and when they had gone through and they set sail from and when they departed from and they came to, you would find all through this passage of scripture, you'll find where they were going, where they were sailing to, where they were going to where they were going to where the people were. The manner of missions is actually us going. It's us moving from where we're sitting to a world that needs the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's us thinking of ideas and ways to to go and share the Gospel message. But the church has to be willing to go. The church is supposed to reproduce itself. The church is supposed to, to go. All these phrases indicate that they were on the move. A local New Testament church should constantly be on the move. The local New Testament church should constantly take in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, it's not through just programs. I think if we're not careful in American churches, we've got to the place where we set programs so we we have a a soul-winning night or we have a soul-winning activity. And I think those things are wonderful and we do those things ourselves. Monday night, we go out and we have a a visitation program and and, 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 uh, we have Saturdays and and we'll go out and we'll share the Gospel in our community. But I, I think this, if we're not careful, we as Christians can once a week or once a month share the Gospel and then we write it off and say, all right, I've done what I'm supposed to do. We don't need more programs in the church. We need more people that are willing to go. Everywhere you go, it doesn't matter if it's a gas station, it doesn't matter if it's a food store, it doesn't matter if it's the workplace. Wherever you go, Christian, we ought to be going and sharing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go. Just a couple weeks ago, I was at a restaurant and I was sharing the gospel with this lady and she was at Bowling Green. She was a student at Bowling Green. And as I was sharing the gospel, she said, I'm a sinner. I, I'll admit that. She, she uh, uh, began to list her sins. And I said, wait, I don't need to know all those. It's enough. I'm starting to blush. She had no problem. She said, I am a sinner and I know it. So what she was trying to do, because she knew she did wrong, at times when she wasn't doing wrong, she would try to do right. Hoping that if she did more right than she did wrong, she might have a chance for heaven. And those were her exact words. So she tried to do good things to people. Even though she was a sinner, she said, I never try to cheat people. I, I try not to lie to people. I, I do a lot of bad things, I know, but, but I try to treat other people good because I'm hoping one day that if I treat people good, that outweighs my bad, and maybe then I might go to heaven. I begin to tell this lady, I begin to tell her that Jesus Christ came and He suffered the wrath of God. He became sin for her. Every single sin that she ever committed, she, it was placed upon Jesus Christ and He shed His blood and He paid her sin debt. And I'll never forget, she looked at me with just her jaw dropped and she said, I've never heard this before. She knew she was a sinner, but she never heard that somebody paid her debt. 
She knew she deserved. She knew she deserved punishment for her sin, but she never heard that somebody already paid that sin debt. She never heard that God loved her so much that He sent His only begotten Son. She never heard that Jesus Christ was bruised and beaten and His body was, was wounded and, and broken so that she could have eternal life. She never heard that before. And she lives right in our community. I told you this story before, I believe. We were looking at a house on a Sunday afternoon and a man was driving down a curvy road and as we were coming out of that house, that man, as he was going around that curvy road there, he had a heart attack and he lost control of his car and he, and he ran right into a pole. He hit that pole so hard that the top, the plastic top on the top of that pole, uh, there's three of them, two of them just came flying off the top of that pole. He hit that pole so hard. As we were coming out of that house, we were watching it as happened. We went running to the car and I was the first one there and this man didn't have a seatbelt on and he hit that pole so hard that when I got to the car, he was actually underneath the dashboard on the passenger side. I tried my hardest to pull this man out. I couldn't. He was wedged in so tight I couldn't pull him out. I asked him. I asked him his name and he told me his name and, 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 and I asked him where he lived and I couldn't quite understand him so I reached there in that glove box and I ripped out of his, his, his uh, uh, information there and I saw that he lived right on that street just, just probably a half a mile down the road. This is the town that I lived in. As I held that man, my hand was underneath his arms and in holding him and trying to pull him out of that car, I felt him take his last breath. He died in my arms. And I tell you, that messed me up. Because I don't know where he went. And for seven years leading up to that accident, I lived in the town he lived in. I don't know where he went. And I remember days after that, I would just say, Lord, there's people that are living in my town and they're dying and I don't know where they're going. And that ought to do something to us. That ought to wake us up. That ought to get us out of our comfort zones. That ought to cause us to see that it is our responsibility to take the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the job of the local church. People dying all around us. The manner of the work of missions is for us to, to go, going from place to place. I met with another pastor, uh, just last week or two weeks ago, and, and, and he's telling me about a church here, right in the Toledo area that is pretty much closed down, but there's a small group of people that want to revive that church, and, and he's got an interest in helping, and, and he sat with, I first talked to him on the phone, then he sat in my office, and he was sincere, and he was, he was moved, he wants to see this church revived, and here's another church. I mean, that's probably the fourth or fifth pastor in the last several months I've talked to or church leaders that I've talked to that, that are, are, are seeing their church decline to a place where they're not going to be able to keep their doors open any longer. And that's right here in this area. There's a job for us to do, Christian. 
And it is not for us to get comfortable in our own lives. It's not for us to get content in our own lives. It's for us to live our lives so that we're sacrificing, so that we're going, so that we're on the move from place to place so people hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The world is not getting any better. It's not. It's getting worse. If there's a time that the world has ever needed the Gospel of Jesus Christ, it's now. In the thought that we will stand one day before the, the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give an account for what we've done. And, and listen to me, we are needing to, to be sure that we are giving the Gospel, that we're living the Gospel, we're giving the truth, we're living the truth. We need to be responsible for this generation. This generation needs the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the generation before us can't do anything about it. The generation after us can't do anything about it. This is the time. This is the moment. This is our generation. We need to reach this generation with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be sincere about it. This group of Christians were constantly moving. They were constantly sharing. Jesus Himself went about all the cities and villages in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. As Jesus was active in His ministry, so He expects His disciples to be active today as well. We're to be going he commands us to go and to teach. I need to hurry here. The second thing I want you to see in Acts chapter 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of His people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with a high arm brought He them out of it. And in about the time of forty years suffered He their manners in the wilderness. He goes through and tells about Israel. He goes through and, and, and up until chapter uh, verse number 39, many verses here from 16 to 39, he's talking about uh, uh, Israel and talking about how they've come through. He, Paul preaches Jesus by the beginning with, uh, with Jewish history. He introduces Jesus by talking about the lineage of David in verses 22 and 23. And in verse number 17 to 21, he preaches about Jesus uh, beginning with the Jewish history. And, and then in the next couple verses, he introduces Jesus by talking about King David. He spoke of Jesus' life. He spoke of Jesus' death. He spoke of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You find here the message of the work and the message is Jesus Christ. That's the message. Our message is Jesus. What we preach is Jesus. He closed the message. Look with me in verse number 38 and 39. He says this, Be it known unto you, therefore men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Here he, he's preaching Jesus Christ. Listen, we live in a sinful world. I took my son, I told you this morning that I had... Someone had sent me two tickets to the inauguration and really didn't have the time to go. Jacob was still recovering from his concussion. And, but I thought to myself, boy, there's not a, this is a chance of a lifetime to take my son. And so we did. We made a quick trip there and a quick trip back and, and enjoyed 
the inauguration, we saw a lot of people. We were, saw the protesters that were protesting after the inauguration. This is a sin-sick world. And Jesus came and He died so that sin could be forgiven. Paul's preaching about sin. He's preaching. He's telling people that, that, that uh, uh, they're sinners. Listen, you can't preach the Gospel without telling somebody and preaching sin. You can't, someone can't be saved until they realize they're a sinner. It's Jesus and Jesus only. It's not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus my religion. It's not Jesus plus my good works. It's not Jesus plus me. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. There's only one way to heaven and it's through Jesus Christ. And a man must confess his sin. A man must see that it's because of his sin he is separated from God. But God loved mankind so much Oh, and there's so many churches that preach that Jesus loves them and God loves them and He does love them, but there must be a payment for sin. Mankind are wicked sinners and they need a Savior. And Paul here is telling the message of the work, the message of missions, the message of the church is that Jesus Christ has paid their sin debt. Man must see though, I'm a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person here in this room tonight, you are a sinner. And the only way for you to redeem back to God is for you to accept that payment from of, of, of the cross, that payment that Jesus Christ made. He became sin for you so that you don't have to pay the consequences of your sin. And the world needs to know this. It needs to know. What's going to save America is Jesus Christ. What's going to save this world is Jesus Christ. I was so thrilled. I'm telling you, I... I was amen and as I was standing there and, and I was excited as I heard. And I, and I know they might not believe just like we believe, but I'm telling you, Christian, to hear the name of Jesus Christ said in a public place, that ought to thrill you. And I know they're not maybe quite like we are. And, and, and I'm just simply saying this. His name was presented. There's nothing, there's nothing like standing in a public place and hearing a prayer offered in that person saying, I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they're done that prayer, they say, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. That's worth shouting about because that's our message, Jesus Christ. The message of the work is Jesus. These men, they weren't commissioned. They weren't commissioned to start new programs. They weren't commissioned to, to, to go play games. They weren't commissioned to, to, to do anything other than preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were commissioned to preach. I need to hurry. The last thing here is the magnitude of the work. Acts chapter 13, verse 44. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city to gather to hear the Word of God. Did you see that? 
in the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city to gather to hear the Word of God. Why did the whole city come to hear the Word of God? Because leading up to the Sabbath day, there were Christians that were willing to go and tell. Who are you inviting? Who are you inviting to hear the Gospel? Who are you inviting? Who did you invite this week? You said, I didn't see any visitors here today. Who'd you invite? If the church goes through six days and never goes out in the community and doesn't share the Gospel and doesn't tell about the Gospel, if you don't share who Jesus is, why do you think they're going to show up on Sunday? You know why they showed up? Because they went and told. They went and shared. They went and talked. They went and said, Jesus saves. And people got an interest. People began to want to know more. And they came to the house of God. They came on the day of the Sabbath to come and hear the Word of God because somebody was willing to go. The magnitude of the work is to the ends of the earth. Here Paul declared that from this day forward that the message of Jesus would not only be preached to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. He said this, it's not just a Jewish salvation, it's not just a Jewish Savior. This Savior, this Messiah, He's come for the entire world. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what, uh, what, what, what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. All that matters is this. Do you know Jesus? Jesus Christ as your Savior. He said, I'm going to preach the message of Jesus Christ not just to the Jews, but the Gentiles also. This was that message of salvation. In Acts chapter 13, verse number 47, so, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be the salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the God, uh, word of the Lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. I received a phone call last week from one of our church members. I think it was last Wednesday. And I love hearing phone calls like this. And she said, Pastor, you won't believe it. I, I was at a place and I, I saw somebody and I, I began to convince myself that they wouldn't believe. But, but you know what? I went anyways and I shared the Gospel. And guess what happened? They got saved. They got saved. I like getting messages like that. Matter of fact, you'd be surprised. I get a lot of messages like that. I'll get a guy in our church. He likes hot chocolate with cherries, or he likes during 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 winter time, and he likes uh, root beer floats during summertime. And he'll say, "I'm out getting a root beer float." And guess what? Somebody got saved. I was out getting hot chocolate with a cherry on it. And guess what? Somebody got saved. And I said, "Praise the Lord!" But you're too old for the cherry. <laughs> the cherry. That's what the church ought to be doing. Constantly, constantly, constantly. The magnitude of the work is so every single person is involved so all the world hears the Gospel. There's a man named Fritz Chrysler. He died in 1962. He was born in 1875. He's a world-famous violinist. The story goes on to say that he earned a fortune with his concerts, and, but he generously gen, uh, gave most of it away. So all the money he'd get, he'd give to others. He discovered a 
violin on his tr- on one of his trips, and because he gave so much of his wealth away, he didn't have enough money to pay for this violin. And so later, he raised enough money to to meet the asking price, and the story goes on to say that he returned to the seller hoping to purchase that beautiful instrument, but to his great dismay, when he returned with enough money to buy it, he was told the violin was already sold. He asked the buyer who bought it, and he said it was sold to a collector, and he asked who this collector was, and he was told who the collector was, and Fritz went to this new owner's home and offered to buy the violin, and the collector said it had become his prized possession, and he would not, he would not sell it. Fritz was very disappointed. He was about to leave when he had an idea. He said this, could I play the instrument one more time before I leave? He thought if I could just play it. The owner of this new violin granted permission and the great violinist filled the room with such heart-moving music as he played that violin. That collector, as he listened to that violin being played, his emotions were deeply stirred. And he said this, I have no right to keep that to myself. It's yours. Take it into the world and let people hear it. Listen, the Great Commission, it's not about our programs and tasks, but it's about people. And we need to take the Gospel to the world and let people hear it. See, how could I be involved in the work? Very easily, when you leave here tonight, determine that every single human being you come in contact with, you'll share the Gospel. You're either going to be obedient to the Great Commission or disobedient to the Great Commission. God's given us the Great Commission to go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every living creature. So you have to make the commitment tonight. Am I going to leave here? And am I going to share the Gospel with every single person I come in contact with? Or will I keep it silent?